0: Hare Krishna, so today we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Kento 6, chapter number 7, and text number 23, 6.7.23, 0.23. Magha Sata Pasya, Magha Vandvi Sata Pasya, Prakshinan Guru Vatikramat, Prashtinambu Vatikramat, Prakshinand Guru Vatikramat, आराध्य भक्तिता Kavyam Ada Mamapi Brigudevataha Mamapi Brigudevataha Magavandu Sata Pasha Samprapyupachitan Buyaha, Kavayam Aradya Bhakti Taha, Mamapi Brigudevataha, Magavan Pasya, Vesa Pasya. Prakshinan Guru guruvati kramān Samprap Yupichitan Buyaha Kavayam Aradeya Bhakti Taha Mamapi Brigudeva Taha Mapi Brigudeva Magavan Ow oh, Indra Duisata, your enemies. Pashya, just see. Prakshinan, being very weak. Formally. Guru Atikramat, because of disrespecting their Guru. Sukracharya, Samprati, at the present moment. Upachitan, Powerful. Bhuyaha. Again. Kavyam. the spiritual master. Sukracharya. arādhya, Worshipping. Bhaktita. With great devotion. adadiran, May take away. Nilayanam. The abode. Satyaloka. Mama. My. Api. Even. Brigu Devata, Devata who are now strong devotees, now strong devotees. Of, Sukracharya, of Sukracharya, the disciple of Brigu. Translation in Popot by Srila yeah. Prabhupada Shila Prabhupada. Ki. Yeah. O Indra, your enemies, the demons, were extremely weak because of their disrespect towards Sukracharya but they have now worshiped sukracharya with great with great devotion they have again become powerful by their devotion to sukracharya they have increased their strength so much that they now are even able to easily seize my abode from me let's just break that down yeah so Brahma is speaking this to the demigods, just to put it in the context. Brahma is speaking to the demigods and what is he saying to the demigods? Oh Indra, who is Indra? The king of the demigods. Your enemies, who are the enemies of the demigods? The demons. So we can paraphrase this for our own layman understanding that Oh Indra, the demons were extremely weak because of their disrespect towards their spiritual master Sukracharya. So the demons at one point in time, and for that matter generally at all points in time, are generally weaker than the devotees or the demigods. But at one point in time they had also offended their spiritual master who was Sukracharya and they became even more weaker. But then what happens now? But since they have worshipped Sukracharya, they means the demons, so since the demons have now worshipped Sukracharya, how? With great devotion. Bhaktita. They have again become powerful. So the demons have again become powerful how? By by worshipping their spiritual master with great devotion. By their devotion to Sukracharya. Matlab the demons. Meaning the demons. By their devotion to Sukracharya. The demons have increased their strength. So much now. That they are even able to easily seize my abode from me. What is Brahma's abode? Brahma. Brahma Loka. So, so much so the demons have increased their power by the worship of their spiritual master. That they can even have the potency if they so want to seize Brahma Loka. What do we speak about seizing Indra Loka? This will be a piece of cake for them if they want to do, the, do so. And they have already done so. Prabhupada writes. Popo. Lord Brahma wanted to point out to the demigods that by the strength of the Guru one can become most powerful within this world and by the displeasure of the Guru one can lose everything. What a powerful statement, you know. With the, with the, with the pleasing of the Guru we can achieve absolutely everything and with the displeasing of the Guru we can lose pretty much absolutely everything. Prabhupada continues. This is confirmed by the song of the Vishwanath by Vishvana Chakravarti Thakur. Yasya prasada prasado, yasya prasadaan nagati kutopi. By the mercy of the spiritual master, one is benedicted by the mercy of Krishna. Yasya Prasadat, prasado. By Krishna, by Guru's mercy, we get Krishna. Prabhupada continues. Without the grace of the spiritual master, one cannot make any advancement. Although demons are insignificant in comparison to Lord Brahma, because of the strength of their guru, they were so powerful that they could even seize Brahma Loka from Lord Brahma. We therefore pray to the spiritual master. Mukham Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langayate Girim kripata Bande Sri Gurun Dinatarinam. But the mercy of the Guru, even a dumb man can become the greatest orator. And even a lame man can cross mountain. Pangum Nangaite Girim. Girim means mountain. Like we say Giri Govardhan. So even a lame person can cross the mountain and a dumb person can start talking very uh, very eloquently. Prabhupada continues, as advised by the Lord as advised by Lord Brahma, one should remember the sastric injunction if one desires success in his life. What is the sastric injunction? That we have to remember. That's Prabhupada's last sentence. I'll read that again. As advised by Lord Brahma, one should remember this Shastrik injunction if one desires success in his life. So, for us to remember, if we want success in our life, we need to remember the Shastrik injunction. But what is the Shastrik injunction that Prabhupada has so far mentioned? Worship of Guru. Worship of Guru. Yeah? and the messiah of the guru we can attain everything yeah om agyanati nirandhasya jnananjana shalakaya chakshurun militam yena tasmay shri guruve nama namavam vishnu padaya krishna presthaya bhutale Shri Mate bhakti vedanta swami niti namine jay shri krishna chaitanya prabhu nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri gaur Bhakta vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare Did I miss one of the Pranam Mantra for Prabhupada? I think I did, yeah. Namaste. Let's do it again. Oma Jnana 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 Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmay Shri Guru Venama. Nama Namaam Vishnu Padaya Krishna Presthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swami nitinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvisesha Sunyavadi Pashatyate Satarine So Hare Krishna, welcome to Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 6 chapter 7 text number 23 So what we are seeing here as I think Mahatma Prabhu said you know, The power of worshipping the Guru The power of worshipping the Guru is so much That even a dumb person can start talking eloquently Even a lame person can cross the mountain And so much so That even the demons can become so powerful That what to, not, what to speak about taking over Indra Loka They can also take over Brahma Loka. That is the power. And Prabhupada writes to that context. So what has happened here in this particular episode? In this particular episode, there is, you know, for those of us who used to follow sports, now there was this, you know, when there is World Cup and all that. Anybody knows cricket? Oh, you know. <laughs> One person knows cricket, here, yeah, which is very nice. The rest of us don't know. So in any case, when we used to follow cricket, you know, so when there is a World Cup, there would be those... Uh, you know the, the the good teams who would always kind of win. You know the mighty the mighty teams, and then because there will not be enough numbers, so the what the organizers do they bring some minos. Remember those words? You know the minos team means you know those not so strong teams. So for example, if Australia is playing against the Netherlands or Ireland or Zimbabwe, some teams like that which were minos, then there will not be too much of publicity or attraction to these games because the result is kind of known it's pre-known that it will be a whitewash but if one of the minos netherlands defeats australia then it is called the biggest upset of the world cup no it will be all over on the front page that the minos have defeated the mighty team so exactly that is happening on the pages of bhagavatam The the demons are the minos if you like in the context of the two fights going on but here what has happened, the minos have overpowered and overthrown the demigods. And what has made that possible? Two things. Two things. One, the minos who are the demons have worshipped their gurus so uh, much with devotion that they have been empowered to overthrow the, the, the demigods. And on the other side, at the same time, the demigods, have disrespected their guru and therefore lost their lustre and the power and have been overpowered. So the central figure in both teams, you know, the demons and the demigods, is the coach. You know, in both teams there is the coach. So one team has respected their coach and being so obedient to the coach, have won the match. Whereas on the other side, the team that was mighty has disrespected their coach or their spiritual master and have lost the game. So this is where we are, you know. What is the title of the chapter? Indra offends Brihaspati. Indra is the captain of the demigods. And he has offended his spiritual master, Brihaspati, And therefore the consequences. So today what we will talk about is after understanding the context of how this sets in. That there are two sides fighting and the have over the mighties. Let's just go into, and Indra has offended the spiritual master Brihaspati. So before we understand what was the offense, let's first of all understand who Indra is. Because there can be sometimes, you know, as sadhakas, as devotees, we may make misconceptions about Lord Indra. So let's just get it correct who Lord Indra is. First thing, part A, part B. Then what was the offense? And let's go part C, about what were the consequences of that offense. Then part D, we will talk about what are the rectification steps Indra took. And that's where we can draw a lot of lessons for us. From Indra's good behaviour of you know, trying to rectify himself, what does it mean for us as our takeaway messages, what rectification messages is meant, and then lastly we'll say how does all this affect us? You know? how do we, what do we learn out of all this? Yeah? So that's five part, if we have time. But let's go into the first part first. So the first part I want to talk about is who Lord Indra is. Now, time and time again we see Indra making a lot of mistakes. No, throughout Bhagavatam, Indra comes across as a character which is you no know, gets into trouble somehow or the other. And not so much, not only in Bhagavatam, but other pages as well, such as Ramayana, such as Mahabharata. So many times he comes across as a bad character. Now in here, Indra has made a mistake, and the reason I want to talk about Lord Indra is so that. Is he okay or do you need to give him something? He or she, sorry? Does he like you know do you need to menace the child with something? Like Happy to stay, but I think he's just restless. Where's the... Somebody else that... Just give him something to eat or something like that. Oh, sorry. So, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so, I was saying that Indra has made a mistake, and Indra makes so many mistakes, but the last thing we want to do is make a mistake about Indra. Yeah. Somebody has made a mistake and the last thing we want to do is make a mistake about this person who has made a mistake so let's get right who indra is indra although he comes across as a bad character throughout the bhagavatam a lot of times is not a demon <laughs> and indra is not only a demigod he's not only a demigod actually he is the king of the demigods so, that immediately sets our mind about which personality we are talking about. Now, who can become a demigod from philosophical understanding? So much so that who can become the king of the demigods? A person, what are the qualities required? You know, in any order, let's say a person who has done a lot of punya, first of all, to become a demigod, because punya or pious activity is done to attain heaven, heavenly kingdom. And the person to attain the king of the heavenly planet must have, by default, done a lot of pious activities, good deeds, and punya. And not only that, another thing that is required to be the king of the heaven is the Lord's empowerment, because the demigods are the vibhuti's of the Lord. No, so the Lord, Lord Krishna's sanction is also there for Indra to occupy that place. Third thing that we observe from Bhagavatam is, no matter how many times Indra gets into trouble, every time the Lord recovers him. Have you noticed? Every sanction of the Bhagavatam will say when Indra gets into trouble, the Lord recovers him and most of the time he will personally come to put Indra back on track. Now that should be enough for us to not take Indra lightly that he is a demoniac character. Definitely he makes mistakes. Hey, we also make mistakes. <laughs> He is the demigod for sure, he is the king of the demigods. He has done lot of punya to take that position and he is empowered by the Lord to be in that position. Given the punya that they have done, the pious activities in their previous lives to come to that position, it kind of entitles the demigod to enjoy. Heavenly planets are a place of enjoyment. So he is entitled to do that. But what he does, unfortunately, time to time, is crosses the limit, and therein lies the problem. So, as a king of the heaven, he is entitled to enjoy. But when he crosses the limit, whether it be with the opposite sex, or with too much wine, or with uh, disrespecting the spiritual master, or going and beheading somebody, that is crossing the limit. And oh, even disrespecting Krishna, Govardhan Lila. You know, that's when Krishna intervenes. But Krishna never. Uh, finishes him off by saying, You rascal, you know, you are destined for hell forever. Never does that. He always corrects Krishna's disposition and mental, uh, uh, Indra's disposition and mentality, and puts him back on track. So, from our perspective, let's not make the mistake of disrespecting Indra. Prabhupada tells us that all demigods are respectable because they are empowered representative of the Lord especially the king of the heaven is more so so just because he's made a mistake doesn't allow us to take him lightly no take him with due respect so that hopefully sets you know clear about who Indra is I'll give you an example why uh, Indra comes into the pages of Bhagavatam as a bad character time and time again the reason for that is as I said he's not a demon He is a virtuous person overall, but the reason he is portrayed as somebody with bad characters is because Bhagavatam is a book that focuses on bhakti. And those who are devotees of the Lord and pure devotees of the Lord are always glorified. And time and time again Bhagavatam will bring those characters that are not conducive to bhakti and they will show, Bhagavatam will show, Sukhdeva Goswami will show how they were corrected to become devotees or what was their consequence if they didn't correct themselves. So that's when it comes up. So Indra comes up like that. So for example, you know, if you take, uh, again, those of you who know cricket, you know, if, if you are reading a book about you know, the, 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 the beauty of leg spin bowling, So what the author will say and what you will read is that this bowler who was a leg spin bowler, he got the batsman out, then in another game he got him out with the same leg spinning and in the third and the fourth and the fifth game the batsman got out and out and out and out. The same batsman, the same leg spinner got him out five times. Now what will we think? We will think that this is a great leg spin bowler and this is a terrible batsman. Because he's getting out again and again and again. Whereas the reality could be that he's one of the greatest batsmen in the world. But just because the book is focusing on the power of leg spinning, the batsman is getting out every time in this particular storyline. That does not mean that the batsman is a bad batsman. He may well be Sachin Ten looker or Steve Waugh. It's just that the focus is on leg spinning, not on the batsman. Now another book you take that talks about the beauty of batsmen The same batsman may be picked again, but it will describe how he survived leg spinning again and again and again and again. So it's just the mood of the author. Here, Sukhda Goswami brings the mood of bhakti and therefore Indra comes across as a character demonstrating that material opulence is not an insurance against spiritual downfall. Material opulence is not an insurance against spiritual deviation. It can happen even if you are materially very, very advanced. So much so that Indra can also be, you know, uh, defeated by the demons. Now, what is the mistake that Indra did in this particular context? Now, we have all heard this many times, but just very quickly. At one point in time, at the assembly of the demigods, Indra was sitting with all his other entourage, you know, the 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 whatever all his assemblies were. The Prime Minister always sits with his minister, so was he. And he was sharing the same seat as his wife, I think, yeah? I think the seat was shared by the, by the wife. And then the spiritual master, Brahaspati, walks in. Now, what do we do when the spiritual master walks in, into the temple courtyard or into the temple room? Hmm? And not only our spiritual master, if any of Prabhupada's disciples walk in, immediately downwards, yeah? that is the Vedic etiquette. But here, Indra fails to do so. What to talk about done he even fails to stand up. And what does Brahaspati do? Chastise him? Case him? No, not at all. He just walks away. Why does he just walk away? Without, no, without any, any words at all. Because the saintly people are never affected by the misbehaviors of the others. Saintly persons are not looking for the other person to bow down to them just so that they can feel good. The reason they want to bow others to bow down is because it is for the other person's own benefit. No? So when we fail to bow down to the senior devotees, it doesn't affect the senior devotees as much as it affects our own self. Because we have done a Vaishnava Aparat by not doing or a Aura guru Aparath. So here uh, Brahaspati just silently walks away, and so much so that he just disappears from the vision of Indra completely. Now, Indra has made this mistake. What is the consequence of this mistake? Now, Indra's, before, before the consequence, Indra did this, this is the point to note, yeah? Indra did this willfully. It was his intention not to bow down to the spiritual master. Why? Because he was fully intoxicated with pride and ego and prestige. In our lives, no, personally speaking, I also find sometimes I don't bow down to my spiritual master. Especially if he's in Melbourne and I'm saving him for the five or seven days, when sometimes he's just so busy, you know, especially if I'm in his own ashram, wherever he's staying in Melbourne, then sometimes it is not practical to bow down every time. You are moving in and out of his room like anything. Come back. When, we, when the spiritual master or a senior devotee is you know, with us, we are saving him you know, in and out. Sometimes it becomes very difficult to bow down every single time. Especially when you are zooming in and zooming out of the room you know, frequently. It just becomes impractical. And I've seen in my life, when I'm saving my spiritual master, yeah, sometimes you know, I just fail to bow down. And I've seen time to time, Guru Maharaj will smile at me and he will accept the fact that I have not bowed down to him because he knows it is just the spare of the moment that I am busier Focusing on saving him rather than worrying about whether I'm paying downwards or not, so he lets it go. And other times, when I'm little too lax, you know, in my not paying obeisances, he just immediately corrects me, Madhunanda obeisances. So very sweetly. Now, why is he saying that again? Not that he cares, you know, for himself. He is elevated, but it is if I don't show the respect of bowing down to the spiritual master, then it is my own aparad, which is not good for my Krishna consciousness growth. So he corrects him. But here, the, and Prabhupada also showed this now one more time. Somebody was paying Danvers to him when there was a pool of muddy water or something. Remember that episode from Nilamrita? Some devotee was trying to pay Danvers when Prabhupada came and there was, you know, it was raining and it was like a pool of water and Prabhupada said, why don't you go and do something useful? <laughs> because it was not necessary. You don't have to get your dhoti kurta dirty just because, you know you must have done what's but that is all circumstantial you know that is all circumstantial when we fail to do those uh respect but in indra's case it is a willful intentional behavior out of his intoxication of pride and ego and prestige and this is what is not accepted you no know? to see ourselves as you know, on equal footing at the spiritual master is one of the greatest offenses so that must be avoided now what about the consequence that indra faced? but before that Mahatma, you had a point you raised your hand Another example, yeah, Daksha offending Lord Shiva when Lord Shiva entered the arena, that is true. Yeah, that's true. Hare Krishna, you are welcome to come in. Uh, you can take a seat and listen to the class, or you can pay downwards uh, your uh, darshan, take the darshan of the Lordships. Are you in a hurry or you got to go? You are, then you can just sit down for. We will talk for ten minutes. Are you coming to the first time? Okay, then uh, you can sit this side if you want, or wherever wherever you're comfortable, just sit down. Okay, so the, so, so Daksha was another good example. Thank you. That Daksha also offended Lord Shiva. And at that time, actually also Lord Shiva stayed quiet. He didn't do anything to Daksha. He just let it go. He only took corrective actions when Daksha offended Sati. Why? Aparvati, Sati, no, Sati, he offended Sati. Why? Because devotees are willing to forgive the, the disrespect of the others if it's towards them. When the offense was towards Shiva, he let it go. But when the offense was towards Sati, which is another devotee, then devotees will not tolerate. No? Prabhupada said that as devotees, we are very humble to ourselves. But if other devotees or Krishna is blaspheming, then we take actions immediately. So that's why Shiva took corrective action. Now what were the consequences to Indra? The consequences we already kind of briefly discussed that uh, uh, to Indra, Indra lost all his power, so much so that he got defeated by the, the demons. Now here what has happened when Braśpati walked into the assembly of, the, of Indra in the heavenly planets, Indra failed to show respect by standing up or oh, even saying something or oh, offering water or oh, welcoming Guru Maharaj, he failed to do any of that. Now, the consequence should have been faced by Indra because he is the one who was the culprit. But here we see the consequences on the entire society of demigods. Everybody has been defeated by the demons. Why? Couple of reasons. One, the other demigods who were present in the assembly also failed to show respect. Why did they fail to show respect to their spiritual master? I don't know because I couldn't find it in Prabhupada's writings. But what I could decipher out of it is that perhaps they were also proud. Secondly, more so, is Yadhyad Achratis restus. Whatever the leader does, the common men follow. So because Indra has failed to show respect, the other subordinate demigods, which is 33 million, <laughs> no 29 million point nine 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 nine, because Indra is out of the equation, mathematically speaking. So they are looking at the leader and saying, he's cool about this. Why do we have to bother? So see how when we are bad leaders, how quickly it is contagious, like coronavirus, no, it just catches like wildfire. So as ambassadors of you no, know, it becomes so important for us to be you know, uh, withholding our character at any point in time because we don't know who's watching. And any wrong examples we set can spread like wildfire. So we have to be extremely careful. But what happens here, Indra started by not showing proper etiquette towards the spiritual master. The other demigods followed the suit of disrespect. Collectively they were defeated by the demons and this is when we learn about individual karmic reaction and collective karmic reaction you know it can be individual it can be collective as well so all of them are losing but Indra is highlighted in this episode as the one who is vastly affected because he is the leader as simple as that. Another thing that actually we learn from here is that we are defeated in the and uh, and the enemies are opportunists who will strike when we are weak hmm? so in our own cases as sadhakas you know if we are weak then maya will strike <laughs> if our senses are weak then sensual desires will strike us and before we you know we have succumbed to it so it is very very careful to keep our guards high towards the enemy of uh, sensual desires that just you know uh, Bombards us every moment Now let's look at the good part of Indra no? That was the part A no? Of the bad Indra <laughs> The one that made mistake Now look at the good part of Indra Now what did he do? What did he do after he offended the spiritual master And the spiritual master went away quietly He has been defeated by the demons What does he do He goes to Lord Brahma Now Indra doesn't think like that Hang on We are 33 million demigods And there is only one Brahma. (laughs) What will one person do to the 33 million of us? Uh, 33 million of us are enough to have a meeting on Zoom call and figure out what should be our strategy to overcome the demons. He could have thought like that. Surely 33 brains are much more powerful than one brain of Brahma or maybe four brains because he had four heads. But Indra didn't think like that. hmm? Notwithstanding, just immediately before he has made a drastic mistake of disrespecting the spiritual master he is immediately subordinated himself to higher authority of Lord Brahma this is why I was saying that Indra is not a demon (laughs) he's a very virtuous person empowered by Krishna time and time and time again he makes a mistake but he immediately rectifies himself or he gets corrected by another superior authority so he goes to Brahma and when he goes to Brahma when you read Bhagavatam Indra does not come across as someone who justifies his mistake you know Brahma what happened one time, it was little casual and something was happening and I didn't pay attention and Guru Maharaj was coming and I was busy with my meetings and all that and I failed to show respect to him. And I surely, Braspati should have not overreacted like this. He doesn't talk like that, no. He just goes to Brahma to say, I made a mistake. I made a grievous mistake of not respecting the spiritual master and I know he's un- he's displeased. And I tried to look for him and I have not been able to find him. What shall I do? Now what does Brahma say? Brahma says exactly to Indra what Krishna said to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita. First words from the counsellor is what? Chastisement. <laughs> he chastises Indra to say, you. he rebukes Indra for an impudent behaviour. Just as Krishna tells Arjuna, how come all these ungodly qualities have come to you just before the match is about to begin? Are you a coward that is trying to run away from the battlefield of Kurukshetra? Brahma does exactly the same to Indra. Now Indra for the second time again does not try to fight back with Brahma to say, Hey, 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 I have come here for counseling and I'm going through so much of uh, distress. And on top of that, you are putting salt to the wound. How dare you? No, I disregard you as well, and I'm going to call somebody else, call fifty-fifty or you know, or phone a friend for some advice. Indra doesn't do that. He accepts the chastisement and is still willing to subordinate himself to Brahma to seek the solution. And when Brahma sees this quality in Indra, which is a virtuous quality, Brahma instructs him of what is the next action to be taken. And what is the next action? I won't go into that. That is coming up in Bhagavatam later as you come daily. But what I wanted to point out is another the, the good part of Indra of being able to uh, humble himself so quickly when the situation arises. Because as Radhanath Swami says, yeah, we have got the do- good dog and the bad dog in us. So his bad dog barks a lot. But a time to time, you know, not time to time, a lot of time, his good dog also corrects him. So Krishna corrects him internally to seek Brahma's guidance. Now, maybe another five minutes before I ask you four questions. What does all this mean for us? It means that a moment of indulgence from us can have drastic consequences for the rest of our life. Just a moment of negligence, just a moment of indulgence Just a moment of sensual activity can cause us to repent for the rest of our life. So we have to be extremely careful. Now we see that in our scriptures, the distinction is drawn between lamentation and repentance. Krishna tells Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita that do not lament. A wise person does not lament. Now does that mean when we make mistakes we should not lament that we have done something wrong? Should we not feel guilty? What we need to understand that there is a difference between lamentation and repentance. What does lamentation mean? Is looking in the past for the wrong that we have done and only looking in the past, not doing anything about it. In other words, what we have done which we cannot undo or connect, cannot take corrective actions against it, no point worrying about it. For example, Krishna tells Arjuna that the, Arjun, that the wise do not lament the death of a person. Why? Because you can't do anything about it. It's inevitable. Bhishma will die, whatever, whether you fight or not, Bhishma will die, Krishna tells Arjuna. No, Dronacharya will die. You can't do anything about it, so don't lament about it. So there is lamentation. Living in the past, thinking in the past, worrying in the past, not doing anything about it to correct ourselves. Whereas repentance is completely opposite. Repentance is looking in the past, fixing for the future. We have looked in the past, we have made a mistake. All of us have made some mistake or the other, I'm pretty sure. We recognize our mistake, we introspect it, we analyze it, and then make a resolution that now we will not do it. No? That is looking in the future. And that's when Krishna's message starts flowing, when we uh, sincerely, determinedly try to make good what we have done bad. So the moment of indulgence that maybe we have done in the past, which is ca- causing havoc to us today, but we try to fix ourselves. So falling down is not a problem, but staying down after falling is a problem. Mm? Falling down is, can happen. But we need to rise after that is the main thing. That is our goal. So at any point in time, as sadhakas again, we should never, ever, ever, ever lose hope that we cannot get out of our conditioning. We make mistakes, whatever it be, breaking the four regulative principles or whatever it be, time to time. And we don't have to lose hope that we will never get purified. If we do that, if we ever lose hope that we can never be purified because of the mistakes that we continue to do because of our conditioning, what actually we are telling Krishna is that I'm so impure that even you can't purify me. I'm so impure that even you can't purify me. And that's not possible though. That's absolutely nothing that is impossible for Krishna. So if Krishna has stayed with us and never lost hope, time and time again for life immemorial. For billions and trillions and trillions of life, the Lord has accompanied us, not ever losing hope that one day this jiva will tend towards me. He's not lost hope. So why do we have to lose hope just in 20 years of Krishna consciousness to say my past conditioning is not going away. Well, surely it will go away. We just have to be Utsa Nishchaya Just patiently do our chanting. If mistakes happen, recognize it correct it, make resolute, determined action plans, practical action plans, and march forward. When we make our action plans, it has to be realistic. You know? If you go to the gym on the first day and try to lift 100 kilos, it will not lift, it's beyond our capacity. But to able to lift that 100 kilos, you go got to start with maybe 10, 15 kilos. You do little, 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 and the muscle comes up, like Shalman Khan, and then you lift more, and then you lift more, and then you eventually lift it. So if we continue with our Krishna consciousness, eventually the conditioning will evaporate and we will become pure devotees entitled to go back to Godhead. So please, never ever lose hope. That does not allow us to, make mis- to allow, continue to make mistakes. A lot of times, mind tells us that we are making mistakes because of our past conditioning. Mind tells us we are making mistakes because of our past conditioning, whereas the reality can also be we are making mistakes because of our present carelessness. So we have to differentiate in ourselves, are the mistakes we are making today is due to past conditioning, really? Or is it due to present carelessness? If I have ridden a bike and I have fallen down because there was a pothole, and tomorrow I continue to ride on the same thing, saying it's my past conditioning to ride on this path, and the footpath and the pothole will always be there, and I'll always fall down. Well uh, that's not past conditioning, that is just present carelessness. I know there's a pothole, so just avoid it as simple as that. So when in our lives, if you are struggling with any of the principles or whatever it be, then just recognize the things that takes us closer to that event and avoid it hmm? such as. No, if we are addicted to some internet saving, which is, let's say, illegal, then don't, you know, don't have internet in a private place, things like that. These are practical steps to take, but never ever lose hope on Krishna, because the Lord is always there for us. So with this, then Prabhupada says that, yes, it may be difficult to win over our situations, our mistakes, our bad habits alone it may be difficult. In that case, you need a spiritual master or at least a representative of the spiritual master. You know, a lot of times for us, you know, the, the, uh, the opportunity to be closer to the spiritual master may not be there, especially during COVID days. But we always have opportunity to liaise with his close representatives, the senior devotees. So when we are struggling again and again and again with anything, then that is the point in time we have to seek guidance just as Indra has shown us that for the mistake he has done he is ready to subordinate himself to a senior authority accept the chastisement if it comes and take their suggestions as corrective measures to march forth towards in Krishna consciousness yeah that does not again mean we have to be silly and going and telling everybody about our problem being honest about our problem does not mean going telling any devotee about our problems that is also not necessary you have to find somebody whom you can confide in and reveal your heart and on the other hand if we are those devotees to whom others are confiding in it is very very important for us to remain and maintain confidentiality agree because the last thing we want is somebody telling us about their problems, and we you know put some masala in it, a spice, and go and tell another five devotees. That is, it happens. Trust me, it happens in our own congregation. So that has to be avoided. If you are a counsellor, if somebody confides in you, keep it confidential. And for us, when we go and seek opportunities to talk to our seniors, then we have to find somebody that we can fully trust. And for the trust to be there, I'm saying again, you know, the counselors have to be confidential so that that credibility can be established so people who are struggling with something can confide in them. And if it's the spiritual master that you can confide in because we are struggling with our nartha, then by the grace of the spiritual master, nothing is impossible. So much for that even the extreme demons can overcome Brahma's planet then what to speak of us, you know, who are not extreme demons. <laughs> we may have some demoniac mentality, but at least we are not extreme demoniac, yeah? So if the extreme demons can win, then surely we, smaller demons, <laughs> have got a golden chance of winning over, provided we take shelter and the mercy of the spiritual master. Okay? We'll park it here. And I'll welcome any questions or comments or corrections. Yes, sir Anybody else has got a question? Question or comment? Question or comment? Why don't we take questions first? Why don't we take questions first and then we'll come to comment. Is that okay with you? We'll just take questions if people have questions. And then we can take comments. you have question or comment? comment, comment. Anybody has got a question first of all? Yes, Madhaji. Hmm, hmm. yeah so lamentation and repentance lamentation is looking in the past and staying in the past. So staying in the past yeah it's like taking a it's like worrying about paying an interest on a loan that you have not yet taken <laughs> a loan that we have not yet taken, there is no interest, so why worrying about paying the interest yeah so so lamentation is looking in the past, things that we have done and we don't want to do anything about it i b We are incapable of doing anything about it that's lamentation whereas repentance is understanding the past we have done a mistake and then taking corrective actions so that the mistake is not recurring in nature yeah and when we are failing to make it when we are failing to avoid the mistake we should take guidance from seniors so that they can help us not to repeat the mistakes again yeah clear thank you yes Ah, so two questions you know or two parts of the same question what if uh, we are not aware of the mistakes we have made mm-hmm. and two was that uh, we have become oblivious to the mistake yeah so mistake so correct so so mistakes can be many types you know mistakes can be intentional unintentional uh purposefully willfully circumstantial you know. so the mistakes that are intentionally done they are grievous and the consequences of the mistakes also depends on the intensity of the mistake and also the the the, the gravity of the mistake so for example offending a spiritual master is a grievous offense and more so when it is done intentionally so two parts are there one there's an offense second it's a willful offense so you see the consequences there's an ultimate defeat but I was saying in my personal case, when I also sometimes don't disrespect the spiritual master by failing to pay obeisances, that is not intentional. Yeah? That is unintentional, circumstantial, and therefore the consequences are minor. The spiritual master smiles at me and says, Adhananda, obeisances. So that can be corrected very quickly without too much of uh, dramatizing around it. But yes, it can happen that a lot of times we are oblivious to the mistakes we are making because we are just used to it. And I think that is because Uh, familiarity breeds contempt and it can happen even uh, not just in India but anywhere and we notice it to be honest because I was uh, because my mood was to speak on this not how to avoid offenses I was more careful (laughs) I was more careful when I entered the temple today which I'm generally let's say not on other days because of Familiarity breeds contempt. And I'll show you an example. Recently I was on holidays, and when I visited few other temples, I was, my intensity of my absorption in those temple was much higher, no? Murvilamba, when I entered the farm, it was like, I've been there before. So I've been there before, so it was more like, I need to absorb every nanosecond here, you know, for upliftment of my consciousness. So everything was paka, the, the thought process, obeisances after obeisances any devotee you coming hare krishna because i don't know whether he's, he's senior or not senior paying obeisances to the deities you know with utmost uh, utmost respect so everything was paka but the moment we come back to melbourne which is actually one of the <laughs> best temples like we become so casual and today i was not because i was careful because i had read all this and thought like this yesterday but when i entered the temple room when uh, Uh, Prabhu was doing the uh you know the pranam mantra at the end a couple of devotees were just standing and talking it's like oblivious to the fact that we need to bow down now whom are we bowing down at that time to shri Prabhupada, to all the deities and both are present but some devotees were just standing and talking about whatever they were talking may have been useful talk but we also know that talking inside the temple room is an aparad and more aparad, when somebody, you know, others are paying respects and obeisances and we are just standing up and talking. So that's an aparad. You know? During the kirtan, when I was also leading, I only, remember I stopped the kirtan? Because my mood was about not offences, yeah? <laughs> so when I was leading the kirtan, some devotees were talking or looking at the mobile phone. Now that's a nama aparad. Firstly, it affected me because, you know, I needed myself to be boosted. Secondly, it is an offence on your side. You know, when a kirtan is i know that i'm not a good kirtan yeah? that i understand but at the same time kirtan is kirtan you know and when we are failing to reciprocate then we are failing to respect the nam so they can be nama aparad they can be Dhamma aparad they can be seva aparad they can be vaishnava aparad they can be guru aparad so many aparads are there indra has done a guru aparad now we do guru aparad nama aparad seva aparad Dham aparad every time every day a lot of times we just walk in the temple very casually Yeah, you know it's okay no but that intensity of the respect loosens because of familiarity breeds contact so perhaps in this case also it is possible that indra failed to respect his spiritual master because of femininity he may have thought, yeah gurudev comes every day in indra loka what's the big deal today let me just note by your senses. it could have been like that people who live near the ganges fail to understand may fail to understand the value of Ganges bathing every day. For it's, it's them, it will be like how you and I walk into the shower. It's like, you know, just, just, let's just go and shower its Ganges. But when we go to India, it's like, my goodness, Mother Ganga, hey Ganga, hey, you know, please save me. <laughs> the mood is completely different. So Indira may have also made this mistake. So in India, as in your example, people are oblivious to the dust. is because they are familiar to it. And plus, they are highly immune as well. You and I will sneeze. You know, one trip. They will not. Coronavirus or dust virus doesn't affect them. They are different make. Made in India. <laughs> they are made for tough life. So they are immune to it. Okay? Comments, Prabhu? Comments and comments? Mahatma Prabhu, comment? No, we have another another you can add. You can add. But your comment? i yes. Yes, yes, very nice. Thank you. Mahatma Prabhu, you want to talk about Gadadhar Pandit? I want to say something about appearance. Okay, well, today's Gadadhar Pandit's appearance there. Thanks for reminding. Gadadhar Pandit is no other than Srimati Radharani. Right? And uh, we know the pastime. So, you know, in the Gaura Radha Radharani is covered uh, because, uh, you know, she wants Gaura to experience the mellow that Radharani generally experiences, which is the Mahabhava, you know, which is the topmost rasa. So she covers herself and becomes Gadadhar Pandit and doesn't exhibit that, because if she does exhibit her natural bhava towards Krishna, then the Leela will not happen. But what she does is transforms that Leela onto Krishna, the Mahabhava Leela, which is Gaura. Then Gaura experiences what otherwise Radharani would experience on any, Sri Radharani would experience on any other day. So it's a change in role, pretty much. But for us, Gathadhar Pandit and O oh Srimati Radharani are the same, absolutely same personality. And on a day like this, it is more easier uh, to pray to Srimati Radharani to you know, help us avoid our unearths, which is our offenses to whatever it be. Guru Aparadha, Nama Aparadha, no, no, Vishnava Aparadha, Seva Aparadha, Dham Aparadha, whatever Aparadha we are doing, today is the day to beg her for her mercy because she is most merciful, more merciful today. She is always merciful. She is our mother. Like Krishna, she has also never ever lost hope on a lost child. She has lost her child, but she has not lost hope on the lost child. So we should not also lose hope, you know. Take the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra seriously and sincerely and beg our mother to take us closer to her and to our father. Yeah? Anybody, you want to add something Prabhu? That's as much as I know about Gadadhar Pandita. My understanding of Gauralila is very, very limited. Prabhu. There was no question, there was a comment. Today's Gadadhar Pandit's appearance there. Today's Gadadhar Pandit's appearance there. So Prabhu wanted us to just recognize the event. So, okay, Prabhu, you would like to wait or are you okay? all okay? Yeah? It's okay. Already? 9 o'clock.